Welcome to another episode of the Programmatic Digest podcast. I am your host, Ellen Parker, and I have a special guest. I got to hear him speak at the Navigator Conference organized by the Beeler Tech team in New York this past November 2023. And let me just say, this conversation is going to be dope, okay? I have the founder of the co-founder of Bumisi and the founder of Blue Life Magazine on the podcast today. Hi, Devin. No. Dang, Dave. It's okay. You know what? I'm not even going to edit this out. Dave on Christopher Johnson. And I was practicing in front of the mirror too. I, I, I love that. But I put the pressure on sometimes. So that's not even your fault, but it's also <laughs> a great icebreaker. Uh, but yes, yeah, Dave on Christopher Johnson. How are you? Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. We're so honored. So most of our listeners are on the buy side. We have a lot of C-suite. I mean, a mix of C-suite and adopts and buyers. Yep. Right. And so I'm really, really honored to have you on the podcast because we're going to talk about something that's really hot right now. I love that. Is, um, <laughs> maybe not hot, but like maybe some a conversation that is very important, at least at this moment, which is MFAs and how do we determine if this yep. is black owned, minority owned, and things like that. But also we're going to talk about the amazing things you do at Bumisi. We're going to talk about Blue Life Magazine. I mean, I know you're traveling very, very soon back to my hometown. Yeah, um, I was heading to the West Coast of Africa. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so without further ado, let's give you maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, how you landed where you are, what what pushed you to create these two amazing organizations. And, you know, tell us a little bit about Davon. Yeah, awesome. So as you already know, but I'll say it again, I love saying my name, uh, Davon Christopher Johnson. Uh, I am an independent media founder first. So my okay. platform is Blue Life Media Group. Our first um, entity was Blue Magazine, which was a print a quarterly magazine focused on Black men through the lens of fashion, travel, and culture. Uh, we then, a few years later, launched Bombshell by Blue, uh, celebrating women, um, taking a word that's stereotypical. Bombshell brings one certain picture to your mind, but yep. our theme is women who win wars, and those are the wars of every day, uh, fighting and beating the payment for equality um, and for acknowledgement. And then you fast forward, um, we've now grown to a full-fledged media company. Um, that's why it's Blue Life Media Group. So we have the magazine that still prints. We're one of the few independent Black-owned uh, print magazines in the country that's distributed seven times a year. Um, so we're a little more than quarterly now. We've actually grown uh, circulation since the pandemic. Uh, we're at seven issues a year. And then our two websites, bluemagazine.com and bombshellbyblue.com. And I'll I'll talk a little bit more later about the, the print and why that's important to, to support print publications for people of color in general. Um, and then in 2020, on the backdrop of the resurgence of Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, um, the reckoning of the media and marketing industry to shift uh, dollars that were surrounding hate speech on Facebook and other social media platforms and shifting those budgets to diverse publishers. Um, mm -hmm. After at that time being in business for 15 years, I'm like, well, if they didn't call me for 15 years, they're not going to call me right now. So I hit up a few people um, over text message mm -hmm. and we were like, we need to do something about this. And that's how Bomisi was formed. Uh, my co-founder and I, uh, my co-founder, Rani Shipping, uh, runs Her Agenda, which at this point has been around for 15 years. Wow. Uh, Blue Life is now 18 years old. So uh, whatever that math is, so that's like 37 plus or 38. Yeah, 30. yeah, give her plus. Yeah. Uh, mathematician, I'm a creative. Um, years of experience. So we combined our forces 
to really challenge the industry to yeah. live up to the statements that they made um, in 2020. And mm-hmm. we're still fighting for them to live up to the statements that they've made in 2020. And we're also challenging the excuses that they've made since 2020, not to live up to the promises they made in 2020. It is not a funny subject at all. It's absolutely serious, but I am smiling because on on stage when you were talking with Vox and Grouchy from allhiphop.com, he asked you a specific question, but I won't let you answer until later on, but y'all stay tuned to hear... (laughs) Dave Fox's answer when Grouchy asked him, like, what do you have to say to companies that are saying, oh, we don't have the budget for diversity? So y'all stay tuned because we're going to get to that whole conversation about MFA and whatnot and and really had to have conversation, right? Because so we're not really calling out, we're calling in in the wise word Aisha White. Um, but I, I want to preface that, you know, it's, it's, it was a genius answer and I really appreciated that. So getting back to you and who you are and your identity. And so, um, I really, again, I appreciate your story because I don't think, I think we heard of it, of, of stories like this, but we don't yep. see it directly impacting us. Yeah. And so I think really understanding like, some of your journey is important for buyers like myself, but also for just for people in general, period. Yeah. Like you a job comes and go, like who you are says a lot about who you are and what you do. And and it's important to understand that side of your story. Yeah, it's super important. I mean, I think the the buyer publisher relationship is super important, right? Um, but the buy I think the buyer, because the buyer sits in between what the brand wants. Yep. the agency can do and what the publisher can, you know, uh, participate or execute on behalf of, of the media plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that, we've got to have trust, but we also have to have the desire for something new, creativity, um, and in the guts to challenge what's already existed, right? And I think I've been lucky that, um, so prior to starting my company, I worked in music marketing, I worked at Def Jam Records, worked at Atlantic Records, worked at Universal Records. And what I found the most um, important at those places was was the brand, right? The brand had currency. So whatever meeting myself or anyone went into, you had the weight of the brand and respect of the brand entering those meetings. So I knew from the beginning, the brand had to be respected. So even though Blue was small, I wanted to make sure the brand was quality. So anyone sees a copy of Blue Magazine and picks it up, there are people who have coffee tables full of Blue Magazines from 10 or 15 years ago because the quality has always been there. So we made sure that we never you know, fell short on quality, even though we were small. And that's the first thing that we did when we sent copies to agencies. They always say, you know, your circulation's small, never heard of you before, but the quality is really good. You know, we're going to take a chance on you with this yeah. with this little budget. And, and gave me peanuts, right? But what I did with those peanuts was give them way more than they expected, right? And I, I delivered uh, a quality to the campaign that didn't exist before and also access to a community that's so hard to reach. And that's Black men. I'm a Black man myself. Most marketers miss the mark on communicating with me, where they communicate, how to communicate, the images they use don't really reflect myself, my environment, my friends, or my community. So I wanted to make sure I created the the answer to that, right? I didn't want to complain about what wasn't working. I'm a solution-based person. Yeah. Um, so that's where that came from. So you fast forward that 
to where we are now, um, I always mark diverse publishers or minority publishers as a high net worth community that costs more and requires more attention to engage with. And I think that's super important, right? Because if we just want to throw any random average budget at whatever, well, everyone's trying to reach a minority or diverse or multicultural um, audience, right? That's not going to work. Right. You can't just, you know, put a black guy in a commercial and like, oh, okay, he'll buy the product. Like we're not, we're not idiots, and we've we've been lied to so many times before. Um, do the do the images that media is used. So we're way more intelligent um, and informed. Than, than ever before, right? We, we see how marketers have used our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents. Um, the, the history of Black bodies in the U.S. has always been a marketing tool, even in times of slavery, right? It's still the currency, the marketing tool were Black bodies. So you fast forward that, an industry that was built on racism can't still be held, you know, um, without being challenged. Like you have to challenge that from the core of how it started. And I know that's a little, a little radical and a little, you know, uh, some people might say it's extreme, but it's the truth. The use of black bodies in advertising from its inception has been exploitative. So how do we counter that um, in an industry that's been used to a certain system? And that's why Bomisi exists. Bomisi exists to challenge that, but also uh, create solutions, right? Because I've already identified what the problem is. I identified what the, the core, um, the historical core, why there's discrepancies in advertising. So we know that, put that on the shelf, that's there. Now, how do we fix that? How do we bring more people to the table? How do we somewhat write or go down the right path uh, from where we were before? Um, and that's what Bumisi is here to help you do. And that was a very long answer. So um, No, I like that answer. And I, and I appreciate, and I appreciate feedback and opinions because like, we always tend to wear that mask that this is how, at least for when I started in, in this industry until very recently, there's always that mask that we have to put on an ad agency where you can't really be yourself, right? And when you're trying to be the voice that you have been and are, um, it's not recognized and it's not received the best way. And so in conversation, at least on the buy side, I've come across, even me, I'm the first one to say it, I've come across the fact that I will be sitting down trying to voice this matter of trying to be like, actually, we can't just throw, you know, throw anybody yeah. in this type of conversation or just, just say anything or just target or exclude anyone's identity just because we're trying to reach this and that. Um, and was not received very, very well. And so yeah. on that matter, I really appreciate, like, it is what it is at this point. And there are so many people that are still in this, <laughs> in this, in this situation. And maybe that's a little segue from today's conversation, but I have a question where I think it was a couple months ago on LinkedIn. Okay. And I'm going to paraphrase really quickly here, but it was a gentleman who said that he had a mentee um that was black it was a black man a young black a black guy and working for predominantly white ad agency and um the 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 person the the young guy he he was on an account where the client joked about how like his skin tone okay because he's darker skin his dark mm -hmm. skin excuse me and uh, it was not funny, obviously, for, to the gentleman in question, to the young guy. 
So he didn't laugh. No, everybody else laughed. And then after that, the client realized like, oh shit, something like this happened. That's yeah. <laughs> and so they, you know, and so the manager of the young guy at the ad agency, again, nobody else looks like him. Okay. Um, asked this young guy to call the, the, the clients back or the brand back that made that racist comment. Let's be real. Um, to make them feel comfortable. Okay. Um, because anyway, so long story short, he was forced to do it and he did it, even though he was not comfortable about doing it. Mm-hmm. And then the client didn't even apologize. They just gave an explanation why they made the comment, which is very different from an, an apology. And so yeah. what is what's the point of view on that? For that person that is in that young, young, that guy's um steps, right? That gaps. Yeah. What what would you think they should have done? What is what's your point of view on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, first I, I feel terrible that anyone's in that position, right? And I, I, I my heart goes out to that person, you know, yeah. in, in that experience. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be in environments that were always reaffirming, even when I worked in uh, corporate America and not for myself only. Um, I had those environments, and it was just interesting that I would hear stories of my friends and my peers that didn't have that same supportive environment um, that that I had. Um, however. And because of that, my ammunition is a little stronger um, if I was in a young man's position because I have the history behind me of being supported um, that he didn't have. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, okay. my story is less common. His is more common. And the sad part is that he had to make the person that made him feel bad feel better about making him feel bad. And the environment he was in supported that, right? Um, like, oh, he didn't mean it. So make him feel better about hurting your feelings. Yeah. Um, for me, and this this is probably a very privileged statement to say, I would leave. I would leave that yeah. environment. However, there's another side of that conversation is you stay and you fight, right? You don't, yeah. you don't leave. You become yeah. a change agent within the organization. And I, I think the best advice I would give that person, especially in 2023, to find support outside of that company. So he has a community of support. So if it comes up again, he does speak out or he refuses to make <laughs> the abuser, you know, feel better about abusing him. Right. That's basically what that is. Right. Um, he has a, a network outside of the organization he can lean on for either a new job hire an attorney to sue them, uh, reach out to, to HR. But that signals a different problem, I think, also within agencies. I think mm. if there's more diversity on decision-making level, you know, the account management, the media buyer level, then the the rooms by, by default become diverse. So the conversations become diverse and inclusive. Mm. And that tone begins to shift. But if you have a group of non- non-women, mm-hmm. non-black people, non-Hispanic in a room making decisions about that group, mm-hmm. then you're not, it's going to always be a mess. I have a bunch of friends who are um, third generation uh, Latino community. They speak English as a first language, not Spanish. But most marketers that they say, oh, we need to reach the Latin community. Let's do a commercial in the Spanish. Well, yeah. my friends don't even know it's happening on the screen per se. Oh, because English is their first language, right? Yeah. And also different dialects of Spanish within the yeah. Latinx community. <laughs> so missing the mark again. Oh, for sure. And I like this example because my maiden name is Fernandez. Okay. And Fernandez can it's can come across Hispanic or Portuguese. I'm originally from Senegal. 
But yep. my family is from Cape Verde. Fernandez is my maiden name. And yep. yeah, I remember receiving, even on Spotify, I'm calling y'all out, Spotify receiving Spanish ads about, I don't know, H&R Block or Brands mm-hmm. First of all, I don't, I don't, I don't use. And I used to be like, I wonder why. And then my husband was like, well, this account is under your, your original email, right? With the Fernandez. So, oh, that's why. Yeah, the they're, assumptions. Yeah, the assumptions. And um. Anyway, so I think it's thank you for sharing because I I don't know how much I can say this, but it's really, really, really important to diversify your surrounding. And I always say that it starts with you at home, but that's how you transfer into your workplace. And that sometimes you just have to lead with compassion and just look at the person. And if you have bit your tongue in them, if it's uncomfortable for us to talk about this stuff, then keep listening because most likely you should be listening. Okay. Absolutely. It's okay to not know. And the best way to do to be a leading a leader like that. And I just read it on Brene, Brene Brown's book. She's like, just just listen. You can actively participate by listening. And that's how you become the ally. That's how you become the, the person that can stand up for that other person. And that's how you become absolutely change. Yeah. And and listening means don't listen preparing your defense. It means actually oh. listening. And hear what the other person is saying, yeah. and then maybe responding, but don't don't assume their statements about you and your developing. What's that song, Johnny Mitchell? I bet you need the songs about you. Like the statement, unless you have internal guilt around these yeah. sort of points of view, right? You should be an active listener, hear what they're saying, and providing feedback or solutions to it, not a defense of why what they're saying is right or wrong. Um, you know, it's it's interesting also that. that People think diversity means you're moving something out to be replaced with something else. And oh. diversity means you're you're expanding the room, you're adding more seats to the table, you're putting the blinds up, opening the windows, whatever that is. It doesn't mean we're shifting anyone out. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's a really important thing that marketers at agencies and brands or the white guy at the table can, needs to understand. No one's getting rid of you. Right. They're just saying, hey, you've had this space for so long to <laughs> yourself. Wouldn't it be great to have some friends over and let us all enjoy the party? Like that, that's the thing I think that's that's missing. This isn't diversity pushes are not a replacement of any set demographic. It's making the room more interesting and more diverse. Yeah. And I love what uh Beyonce mom said about it, Tina. She said, you know, being pro-black doesn't mean that we're anti-white, anti-Hispanic, anti-Asian. It's just like we love us so much. And because our voice were tamped for so long, that's how it comes out today. But just because I'm pro-black, it doesn't mean again that I'm anti-Asian or anti-this on that. And that's not, and I love, and I love what you just said. It's not of like give it to me so I can give. It's just like let's just be inclusive, truly all around. Um, and I think I'm going to use this opportunity also to talk about Bomesi and that I know you touched briefly during your ident- um, your intro, but like talk to us about like really the the fundamental, like the the mission behind Bomesi and how you're helping today and like some of the, the most recent events that have happened and the next one actually that's coming up. Absolutely. And this, this is part of the thing where it's like you identify the issues, right? So everything we said prior to this moment have been identifying some of the the wrongs or missteps in the industry. This part now is really about solutions, right? So BOMISI stands for Black-Owned Media Equity Sustainability Institute. All of those words were chosen intentionally and they all have meaning behind it. Uh, We sit on three principles and it's ecosystem, education, economic empowerment. 
ecosystems the first thing that we did. We built a community of just two of us uh, that co-founded the platform. We're at 241, uh, majority 51% of more Black-owned media outlets. However, we do have um, AAPI, Hispanic, LGBTQ, and women as subcategories of that group because intersectionality happens within diversity too. Of course. Um, the second education, you know, we spent two years uh, talking to publishers about successes they've had and things that hit, that didn't make the mark or, you know, failures they may have had or missteps. And then also agencies and brands at times they had tried to work with diverse publishers and it didn't work out for them. We want to really learn both ways so we can create these solutions. And then the last part um, is economic empowerment. And that's when, you know, we're coming to agencies and brands, pitching, doing RFPs and doing deal flow. But what's important is that we didn't start with the money. And I think what you'll find different with Bomisi is that a lot of these diverse initiatives after 2020 saw these pledges at a certain amount, a dollar amount, and went for the money. We were like, well, there's no infrastructure so and, there, and there's no community. So why I think our environment is one of the best environments to address diversity, not just Black for all minority groups, is that we start with community first. We consider ourselves not an ad network. Um, we consider ourselves a community of independent media publishers that come together at times for deal flow and for scale, but more importantly, to grow and educate the community with that. So that's super important. Um, one of the first things that we did was uh, an accelerator. The Moment to Accelerator is on its second cohort. We graduated seven dynamic publishers from all different levels of media ownership, um, some with lots of traction, some with, you know, just starting out. And we just started our second cohort that graduates uh, in January at CES. And we'll be doing the upfront at CES with a few of our partners. But I will name that GM. So General Motors stepped in very early on. Um, to support this effort. Um, again, aligning ourselves with brands that have made public statements, but put action behind the statements. So GM, like other brands in 2020, said they want to support diversity. They earmarked some dollars around that. And they also went on a listening tour to figure out what worked and hadn't worked and how to become in a partnership to grow it. And ecosystem building was one of the main things. And now we're at 14 now viable media outlets we will be at 14 in January, media outlets that can take on programmatic or direct uh, advertising partnerships. Um, and then we do a Black Home Media Weekend. We've done it twice in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Black Wall Street. Super significant. 2021 was year one for us. It was also the 100-year anniversary of the Tulsa Massacre. So we wanted to align ourselves um, in a space that has such deep-rooted history in the Black economic narrative. Oh, yeah. um, and the foundational uh, support that Black environments or Black Wall Streets all around the country did. And it was so surprising to me that so many people didn't know about um, Tulsa and the race massacre. Like I've known since I was nine years old. So it's, I've spent a lot of time in the library. I love learning growing up. So, <laughs> so, it's, so it's important that Black-owned media or these storytellers were on the grounds of a place that a story was almost um, erased, definitely suppressed, for a hundred years. And now we're moving the conference to Detroit. Um, different history, but similar importance to the black economic um, growth and opportunity history of this, of this country. And that's in June, 2024. Yeah. Um, yeah. June is my birthday month. So I am going to tell y'all, I'm going to come celebrate with y'all because I definitely want to, want to be involved with just, and just, and just support. I think it's really great. And just to 
small point of clarification because I know that most of the listeners are on the buy side. So what do you what do you call programmatic for from the publisher side? What does that programmatic represent for you? What is that? And that might be just a definition question, but what does that represent for you? Um, it? It, def- it rep- represents a headache um, for <laughs> sure. Um, I I will say it, it represents an opportunity to receive deal flow as an independent publisher. What okay. it doesn't mean to me is a guaranteed revenue flow through the ads coming through my site because I may not have the traffic to scale and really benefit from the ease that programmatic represents for the buyers. Mm-hmm. It isn't necessarily the same ease for the growth of our, our companies. Um, so Bomisi is trying different ways to address that through through different ways of engaging with publishers, programmatically, programmatic guaranteed, uh, direct buys, and really identifying when programmatic makes the most sense at whatever level that publisher's at versus where it doesn't make sense. If you really want to build infrastructure and do some media investment, there may be another way to go about it. Um, But we do understand that programmatic is the future-ish of the media industry uh, because Every new technology is a future, right? And so the future shows up and there's a new technology, right? So um, the programmatic is a future-ish of of this moment of media. Um, And so because of that, we want to make sure that we are providing education, um, going back to our principles, education to both publishers uh, and and to brands and media buyers. Got it. I think it's really important for us to clarify because, again, from a buy side perspective, programmatic represent open internet, open exchange, and <clears throat> there's been this big conversation the last year in terms of the quality of the open internet versus the quality of private deals, um, which you refer to as private deals as well. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of us buyers kind of have that that conversation or that decision to do between how much are we spending on open internet and how much are we going to spend in those private deals and how much are we going to go direct, right? And so when I was in the Navigator Navigator conference, um, which is predominantly more on the sales side and tech, Mm -hmm. but it's very, very interesting to hear that side of the, the water, right? That side of the water, just mentioning how direct deals are the way they can guarantee some level of revenue or they can grow their revenue. And I was like, what? We don't want direct deals. That's too much setup for us. There's too much management outside of yeah. the And we often, and I take responsibility and accountability for that, for the rest of us here on the buy side street, that we put a lot of trust in our DSPs and in those contextual partners. And um, yeah, it was until like I said, one to two months ago that I realized like some of our partners were excluding keywords such as black people or queer or gay or things like that. And I Mm -hmm. was like, wow, that is, I'm, I'm this person, right? I'm, I'm them. Like they're, they're literally excluding them, uh, us. So what is, I think our biggest question here on, from our side to you is that when is a good time to reach out to Bemisi, right? Uh, but also like when we're faced with a list of exclusion sites, let's say, or inclusion keywords from our partners, how do we how do we know if we're excluding minority-owned or black-owned media? So I uh, guess two questions into one. 
Yeah, no, I, I love I love the question. I'm gonna I'm gonna as all my answers have been in stories. Um, so the first part I think is what you saw at Navigator, especially from media owners and on the sales side, that was a very diverse room, right? And diverse meaning that it wasn't just minorities, it was it was everyone there. And we're all having some of the same concerns around programmatic. Um, I'll say the first part is that understanding the barriers that existed before programmatic became the ease and the standard for buyers, if we haven't addressed that, then even though this new ease of buying media for you guys is there, it doesn't mean us receiving those dollars has got gotten any better. That hasn't that hasn't been addressed yet. We haven't addressed infrastructure and we haven't addressed what you just mentioned, you know, MFA and and block lists and all of these barriers that, that exist. And even words like slay or you know, one of my platforms is called Bombshell by Blue about women being dope and amazing. And the word bomb is, you know, uh, listed as a keyword to block, right? So my entire site, not even my content, gets blocked because of the word bomb. If any article contains the title of the company, then that gets blocked from deal flow, even though we're not promoting war or bombing people or, or anything like that. Um, and as far as like who or when to reach out to Bomisi, I think the moment you decide that you're going to run a media campaign, whether it's programmatic or direct, reach out to us and have a conversation. Um, and we will give you information, unbiased information, because we are a nonprofit. So we're not beholden to anything but transparency um, in what we do. And we can have a very candid conversation based on the research we've done, the conversation we've had with our publishers and our content creators around what has worked and what hasn't worked. And when they have or have not found success in programmatic buys, I do understand the ease and the thought process behind this open internet and thinking there's transparency there. However, the same systems that have always existed to keep certain people out, certain people in, still exist when it comes to media. So as as open as the intention is or inclusive as the intention is uh, for, for the buyer side, it isn't the same uh, for us on the on the sell or the publisher side. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I definitely get that. Okay, so one last question, a question I asked earlier. <laughs> um, so so during your 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 panel with Grouchy and um Vox Media, he asked, or somebody asked, and I'm paraphrasing, like, what would you have to say to those companies, to those ad agencies um that are saying, like, oh, we don't know if we have budget for diversity, or we don't know if we have budget for this right now. What is what was your answer? <laughs> I love it. I, I'm about that life, and I would love for my I'm, people to hear it. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase myself too, but like yeah. one, I mean, the, the short answer is like that's a lie, right? And <laughs> and two, the future is diverse, right? If your goal as a marketer is to sell more products or, or create more customers, and you know mathematically that the future is more diverse, and you're still choosing not to put your budget into diverse marketing, then you're choosing not to be diverse. It you're yeah. you're not actually wanting to be a diverse company. You don't want to spend diverse dollars. You actually don't care about diverse media. You're just making statements for a public stance without putting it into practice. So the, the first step is to really look at you know your, your, your company, your agency, your position, your track record, whatever that is, yeah. and decide, am I really aligned with this mission that the brand and agency set around diversity? Because if I am, and if I want new customers and I want to sell more products and I want to be a, a future company, Right, not just a today company, but the future of our country is diverse. 
all your future customers, all your organic growth, all your future sales lie within diversity, those are the facts, right? That's not opinion, not hyperbole or anything. Those are the facts. Then why are you still choosing today not to invest in your future of your company? Mm, that's, I mean, <laughs> what else? How else can we end this, this conversation? I mean, for real, for real, like we're so honored you got to drop by. Um, I feel like we need to have a a, a part two of this conversation because there's so much there's so much more to say and like the long story short of it all is like if there's one thing you need to remember is that if when in doubt reach out to Bomisi. <laughs> reach out to Bomisi um and we can help su- yeah we can help support all other you know um communities or marginalized communities you know the same sort of structure i mean i honestly and, and i hate to to, to really bring it back to this, but America itself has a problem with oh. dealing with non-white people, right? That's historically. So how do we handle that? Because that's been the marker of how we dealt with every other non-white community, you know, whether that's API, whether Hispanic, whether that's LGBTQ, whether that's women, whether that's people, veterans, disabled, every other group uh, is a, <laughs> a byproduct of how they're treated. It's how black people were treated. So yeah. if we, if Bomisi can help you fix that, we can also help you fix all the other um, discrepancies in how you engage with communities that are diverse. Yeah, and they and then you know, and sometimes it's as easy as just consulting with that team, right? Like you have questions, pay them up, okay? Because I believe that everybody's time is precious, and we have to honor them. And so, reach out to Bumisi. Um, Devon's information will be in the show notes. Um, Bumisi's information will be in the show notes. And there's one last thing we need to talk about is that in the next few days, this podcast is going to go live in the next few days, but Giving Tuesday, what is happening? How can we support your mission? How can we support the Accelerator program? Yes. So Giving Tuesday is coming up and we would love your support to do the work that we do to make your job easier as a marketer and a media buyer. Uh, By supporting Momisi on Giving Tuesday, we have a goal of raising $10,000 that helps support our ecosystem building, our our accelerator, um, our webinars, etc. So support with your dollars. We definitely want you to give dollars, but also you can give your time. You can you can mentor, you can train, you can offer up office hours if you are a media buyer and you have some some bandwidth. Office hours also. We can have our publishers book some time with you to really learn about what they need to do to become more attractive to you and your media planning. I absolutely uh, so- love that. I appreciate that. I will donate in the next uh next week, but also I appreciate that financially and uh my time. So I'll follow up with your team Thank because you. I would love to be of support. And like I said, I'm in the business of educating people and highlighting diversity. And you guys are doing a great job. And I just wanna just wanna be with you and continue encouraging you. But uh thank you so much for dropping by. I know you have travels coming up. We'll be looking out for some pictures from you. Uh, but yes. if anybody wants to follow you, can you just tell us really quick where they can find you on LinkedIn? I think I know you have a, I know you have an Instagram account. Like tell us yeah. a little about where they can find you find you. So my social handles across are Devon is blue. So D-E-V-O-N-I-S-B-L-E-U. If you Google oh. Bomisi and my name will mm-hmm. come up. Um, we've been very lucky to have the support of a lot of journalists in this space writing about our efforts. So uh, we're not at hard to find. Um, even if you Google Black-owned media, we we pop up for that also. Uh, blackownedmedia.org is our website. Um, again, blackownedmedia.org is our website. So yeah, we're here to support. 
um, and looking forward to doing more. And remember to give on Tuesday uh, from your pockets, but also from your time. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And again, all of his information will be in the in the show notes. You can email me, you can find me on LinkedIn, and you can just Google their name. And it's super easy to come across them. But again, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. Thank you so much, Davon. Awesome. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye-bye, guys.